Now, as we get started in this next lesson, I think it'd be good for you to think back to the covenants that God has made. One of the things we've seen about God from the early pages of the Bible is that God is a God who likes to make covenants. And when he makes them, he keeps them. He's a covenant-keeping God. He's always loyal to his covenants. I think, what, what covenants can you remember so far? When God has specifically obligated himself to his people to do things for them. And sometimes, often there are obligations he's placing on his people in this covenant of what they need to do as well. Can you think of these covenants? Now, some people think that uh, back even in the Garden of Eden, in, in Genesis 2, where God gives a command with a threat of death for disobedience, that that, that was basically a covenant that God was making with them, and, and maybe it is. It's just uh, not described that way uh, directly in the story. The first time that we actually hear the language of covenant, do you remember? It's with someone later that God makes the first covenant in terms of what the Bible actually calls a covenant. Remember that was with Noah? Remember that? How God made a covenant with Noah that he would uh, bless him, that he would never destroy the world through a flood like this. There were also uh, regulations from that covenant that, uh, that Noah would need to, to follow and so forth. But God was pledging himself, covenanting himself to Noah, who was a, a man of faith, a worshiper of the Lord. But maybe the main covenant that we think of in Genesis is the covenant that God makes with whom? Someone write it shortly after Noah in the story. The covenant that God makes with Abraham. And, and certainly it's, it's one of the most dramatic scenes in the book of Genesis. Remember in Genesis chapter 15? Now God had already made promises to Abraham before this, but in Genesis 15 there's the specific cutting of the covenant with Abram. And you remember that? Uh, Genesis 15 is where God says to Abram, don't fear, don't be afraid. I'm going to bless you. Uh, I'm going to make your offspring like the stars in the sky. And Abram believed the Lord and was counted to him as righteousness. And then Abram falls into this deep sleep. God really puts him into this deep sleep, a sleep that really uh, hadn't happened like that since uh, Adam in the garden when uh, God did the surgery with Adam to make uh, Eve or make uh, the, the woman out of Adam. Uh, God puts Abram to sleep and Abram sees the pot, the smoking pot, the fire uh, going between these animals that have been split up, and God covenants himself to Abram. He is obligating himself to Abram and Abram's offspring that God will bless Abram with many offspring, that God will bless him and bless the world through him, that God will give him a specific land, the land of Canaan. This is the Abrahamic covenant, and Abram will need to and his descendants will need to follow the Lord. But, but this covenant in particular, God is putting the obligation for its fulfillment on himself. And then we go forward in the story and then we come to Mount Sinai. And there's another covenant that God makes with all of the people of Israel, with these offspring of Abraham, these now a couple million offspring who are there, who've been delivered out of the land of Egypt. They're the redeemed people, the saved people that God has brought out of Egypt. They're there at the bottom of the mountain. And Moses delivers the words of, of God. And they say, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. 
and Moses takes some blood from these sacrificed animals and he, and he tosses it on the people. He says, behold, the blood of the covenant which God is making with you. And the people and God are in this covenant at Sinai where God is pledging to bless them, but they need to obey God. And if they do not obey God, that generation will be cursed. This is the, the parameters or the, the stipulations of the Mosaic covenant, that in order to get the blessings that God has promised to Abraham to give to his descendants in the land, the people will actually need to obey the laws of God. And if they don't, they'll get the curses of the covenant. And in Deuteronomy 27 to 30, you see a lot of this laid out. Curse is every person who does this, who does this, but you'll be blessed if you obey. You'll be given long life and fruitful lives and success in the land. Well, those are the covenants up until this point. But throughout the Bible so far, there's also been this idea that God's going to raise up a king. And now we come in to 2 Samuel chapter 7. David is sitting in his house, a beautiful house. God's been giving him victory and rest. And you know what David starts to think? He says, look, I'm, I'm dwelling in this beautiful house. This is 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 2. He's talking with Nathan the prophet. He says, look, I'm dwelling in this house of cedar, but the ark of God is dwelling in a tent. Nathan says to the king, do all that's in your heart because the Lord is with you. You know what David's thinking? I need to build a house for God. I'm sitting in a beautiful house. He's, the ark's over in a tent. David loves God, wants to build a house for the Lord. And what we're about to read here, 2 Samuel 7, this might be the highest point in the entire Old Testament. This is, I think, the central chapter in the whole Old Testament. Say, why? Look at what it says. 2 Samuel chapter 7. We've been waiting the whole Bible for a man like David. He's sitting in his house thinking, I want to build God a house. And what's God say? 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 4. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. You go and you tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build me a house to dwell in? I haven't lived in a house since the day we, I came out of Egypt with you. I never asked you to build me a house. Verse 8, now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. I've been with you wherever you went. I've cut off from all your enemies from before you. I'll make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. Wow, this sounds a lot like the promises that God made to, to Abraham. And I'll appoint a place for my people Israel, and I'll plant them in that place. This is like the promises to Abraham. It's going to come through David, so that they may, know, may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. Violent men will not afflict them anymore as before. From the time that I appointed the judges over my people Israel. Now, verse 11, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. Think of it. What was the scene of 2 Samuel 7? David sitting in his house thinking, I got to build God a house. And God says to the man sitting in his big house, no, no, no. I am going to build you a house. 
So well, what does that mean? He's already got a house, right? What kind of house is God promising to build for David? Verse 12, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. What is God promising to build for David? A house. What is that house? A dynasty. God has raised up David to be the king to exercise dominion. And God is now covenanting himself to David to build him a dynasty. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I'm going to keep your son on the throne. His kingdom is going to be established. Verse 13, he will build a house for my name. It's not going to be you, David, who builds the house. It'll be your son. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And we think the scepter will never depart from Judah. From Genesis 49. And now the descendant of Judah is sitting on the throne. And God says, I am going to use your line and I'm going to establish the throne of your son's kingdom forever. Verse 14, and I will be to him a father. David, I'll be to your son a father, and he will be to me a son. David, your son, he'll be my son. I'll be to him a father, he'll be to me a son. Now, what does this what does this mean? This, this idea that someone could be the son of God has already shown up in the Bible. It showed up back in Exodus chapter 4 when God spoke to Moses and said, Moses, go tell Pharaoh, Israel is my firstborn son. You better let my son go so he can serve me or I'm going to kill your firstborn son, Pharaoh. And so we already saw this, that that God could have a relationship with the nation of Israel where Israel could be called his son, like God had adopted Israel as his son. And as his son, they would be like him. He would have a fatherly relationship with him and they would display him and his rule and his justice and his wisdom to the world. They would have an intimacy with God and they would represent God. And now God speaks to David, to one man, about his dynasty. And God says, the king that I raise up over Israel from your line, from your flesh, David, I'm going to be a father to him and he'll be a son to me. See, the king rules for God, under God, even over God's people, because God is the king of Israel. God is the king of all the earth. And so the king of his people will be his son. Intimate, close relationship with the father, ruling for God, under God, in a way like God would rule. This is the promise in the covenant that God is making with David. An eternal kingdom with his son on the throne, a son who will have a relationship with God, where he'll be be the son of God. And then, God guarantees David in verse 14. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love 
will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. He says, look, even if your son turns away, I'm going to discipline him like my son, like, like a son, but I will not strip away the kingdom from him. I will not take away my love from him. I'll do this for you, David. God says, he's covenanting himself to David. I will not do to you what I did to Saul. Your dynasty, your kingdom, the kingdom of your son will last forever. And you think, well, how, how could that happen? I mean, either David's going to have to have sons, one after another forever, who sit on the throne or or. Or what, I mean, how else could it happen that there could be a, a, a son of David who would sit on the throne forever? I mean, how else could that happen? You'd have to think. Well, how does David respond when he hears this? 2 Samuel 7, verse 18, David, King David went in and he sat before the Lord and he said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you've brought me thus far? And yet this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God. You've spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come. And this is instruction for humanity, for mankind, O Lord God. And what more can David say to you? For you know your servant. And then David basically prays this prayer of praise. And he prays for God to do all that he promised. And what I'm suggesting, not just me, but that this right here, the Davidic covenant, where God covenants himself to the son of Abraham, the descendant of Judah, to David. This is the high point of the whole Old Testament. We've got a man with a heart like God's on the throne. And now God says to him, it's going to be through you, David that I exercise my rule over all the world. It'll be through you and your line, not just through the line of Adam and the line of Noah and the line of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Judah, but through you, David. Your offspring will sit on this throne forever. And this is instruction for all humanity to hear. Look to the son of David. He'll be my son. I'll be a father to him. He'll be a son to me. And there'll never be a day when his throne is taken away. Like that promise to Judah. The scepter will never depart from Judah until all the obedience of the peoples comes to the descendant of Judah, who now we know will be the son of David. Mm -hmm.